Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me for another restful episode of True Scary Stories to Help You Fall Asleep. Today, we're going to be reading True Scary Park Ranger Horror Stories. I hope you enjoy them. So without further ado, lay back, relax, and enjoy these true scary stories. One of my best buds from college was a geologist major that ended up becoming a ranger in the southeastern United States. We haven't spoken in years, as is the case with age, but I remember about eight to nine years back, he was telling me about an old married couple that he had recently helped out. He had seen them come to the park for several days in a row and found out that they were visiting from out west and they had gotten engaged there decades prior. They had been searching for a spot that they'd taken pictures of, where he'd popped the question, but were having trouble. After looking at the pictures and figuring out roughly where they were trying to get to, he escorted them in his vehicle, then hiked with them to where he thought that it would be. They found it, and he left them there and went back to his station at the entrance. He said he got a weird feeling once he got back, and felt like he needed to wait to see them whenever they left. Well... Once it came time to lock up at night, he still hadn't seen them leave, so he reported it, left his assistant to wait at the shack at the entrance, and went back to where he left them. He found both of them lying down, spooning along the bank of the river. Neither were alive. He called the cops, went through the nine yards, and went home. The police were able to disclose to him their identities, but weren't sure anything else initially. Later, he learned that the wife was terminally ill with cancer, and they had both unalived themselves by ingesting some sort of chemical-slash-pill combination medley. They just chose to do it where they had gotten engaged at. My friend wasn't torn up about it, but he was obviously sad about them dying, but said that he thought that they hadn't asked for help earlier because they didn't want anyone to think that they helped kill them. I once asked a park ranger for his strangest story and he told me this. He worked at this park in the summer and had for several years. He was driving home, alone, into the park to begin his summer's work when he heard a male voice say very clearly and loudly, Welcome back. My story is the exact reverse of the others here. I'm not traditionally a ranger, but when I was in the scouts, legally adult scouts had to do the three feather challenge. One day without food, one day without speaking, and one day and night alone in the woods with only a knife and a tarp, unseen by any human. After which one has to sneak back to the scout camp unnoticed by the sentries and report to the campmaster. It was my third day, 
So I took off, walked for miles through the woods, and found the most remote spot in the wildest, most overgrown part of the woods. Spent a spooky but uneventful night until almost before dawn, when I decided to go for a morning swim in the lake right before taking off to go back. I stripped nude and went towards the lake, but noticed a group of guys fishing, so I decided to go back. Suddenly, the ground underneath my feet caved in, and I found myself submerged up to my armpits in the absolute vilest mass I have ever smelled. It was a pit where poachers dumped the guts and leftovers of illegally hunted deer, and it fermented for weeks. Imagine the scene. A group of anglers near some ungodly screaming from the direction of the woods and run there to see if someone needs help. What they see is a teenager-shaped ghoul covered completely in blood and rotten offal who is crawling out of a bloody hole in the ground while shrieking and weeping then runs at them to get to the lake to wash off. In 2016, my boyfriend, my now husband, and I went camping in eastern Pennsylvania. The place we decided to stop for the night was primitive. Camping was free, no cell service, barely a road, etc. We did counter two other people. They might not factor into what happened later at all, but they were creepy, so I'll describe them. The first was a woman who had her truck off to the side of the road a little as we drove past. She had the hood open and seemed to be waiting for someone to stop and offer to help. Usually my boyfriend had no problem helping someone, but he said this time that something about her put him off. She didn't really seem like she needed help, and usually people who need help look at you hopefully as you approach. She looked like she just expected that we would stop. That's what my boyfriend said anyway. I hadn't really noticed anything that strange about her. The next person came when we had chosen a spot and were setting up a fire for hot dogs. I had noticed people drive by a few times, but my boyfriend pointed out each time was the same car and the man in the car watched us each time he passed. My boyfriend was a little uneasy about this, but we had driven around for a while before finding a place we liked. It had been raining and everything was muddy, and we wanted the driest sight possible. He could have been doing the same thing. We briefly thought about moving, but the road was muddy too. If he wanted to find us, all he had to do was follow the tracks. There were some other tracks, but not many. He'd only have to backtrack a little to locate us again. He didn't come by another time. So we stayed and spent the several remaining hours before dark goofing off. No one else drove by. Whether or not those two had anything to do with our experience, the real fear came later. We had gone to sleep in our tent, and sometime around 3 a.m. we were awoken by this very loud noise. I can't describe it very well, or even remember exactly what it sounded like but my boyfriend said that it reminded him of a chain gun revving up. It was also similar to how it would sound if someone recorded a shovel being dragged over gravel 
and played it over a loudspeaker. He jumped up and looked out a little window, but couldn't really see anything. The sound repeated itself a few other times. I was so scared that I couldn't speak. So my boyfriend whispered that it was probably miles off and I should just go back to sleep. I didn't question this as I figured loud sounds could be easily heard miles off. After we left, he told me it sounded like it had actually been coming from just down the road, but he didn't want to freak me out. Looking back, I probably should have wondered why he would bother to whisper, if apparently the sound was that far off. I was still terrified. Every little thing I heard outside sounded like someone was walking around the tent. We laid there for a while longer, when finally my boyfriend told me to get dressed, because we were leaving. I had gotten alarmed by this, and even more alarmed when he unwrapped the machete that we had brought, just for this trip from its plastic before opening the tent. We quickly packed up and loaded the car. I looked around for footprints that weren't our own, but despite the moon providing plenty of light, I couldn't really see. I did point out something that my boyfriend hadn't noticed though before we got into our car. There was a beer can by our dead fire that hadn't been there before. We didn't even bring beer. While we were driving away, my boyfriend explained that he was nervous that someone might have been trying to lure us out, so he didn't think that it was a good idea to run from the tent right away. He also half expected to find out the gas tank had been siphoned, but that wouldn't have stopped us because we had a hybrid car. We joked that that would have made a funny hybrid commercial. Number of brutal murders avoided by driving a hybrid, two. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We only joked because we were about to crap ourselves from fear and even adrenaline. The rest of our trip... We only stayed in well-populated campsites, or got a hotel. My cousin is with the Forest Service in the Montana-slash-Wyoming area and I decided to go up there to her to literally test the waters. She does hydrology and has to ride out to the middle of nowhere to test streams and snow runoff to ensure that there are no contaminants. So I thought that that sounded fun and wanted to do a bit of a tour with her. We were going to have to camp out there for two nights, so we packed up all our gear and saddlebags and saddle bundles and started out. The first day and night was amazing beautiful scenery and amazing air quality. It's really so peaceful out there. I love that area, and I wish that I got to go up there more often. Anyway, we started out on the second day, and my cousin said, do you want to see something weird? Of course I said yes. So she led me on a bit of a side journey to this tiny little ravine. 
We ended up traveling about two hours away from our actual path that we had laid out. At the very end of this fold in the land, she dismounts and tells me to get off my horse too. We tie them up in this gorgeous little clearing, and she tells me to follow this tiny wildlife path and bring our little rechargeable radio. It's one of those that you can plug in or wind up, and it also acts as a lantern if you really need it to, but that kills the batteries very quickly. I do, and out in the middle of nowhere, there is this huge coil of wire sticking out of the ground. The wire itself was not weirdly large, like some buried transmission wire, but small, like 10 or 12 gauge wiring for a house. It trailed off into the brush and trees, so naturally I decided to follow the thing out of curiosity. My cousin trails behind me as I do, and this wire, after coming straight up from the ground, is strung across limbs of trees and then back to the ground. Then it snakes around rocks and finally descends into an outlet. That outlet is mounted on the side of a desk. It looks like a school teacher's desk from when I was growing up with a metal base and a pseudo-wood-slash-plastic-top thing. No chair, no building, no nothing. Just this outlet and this desk. I'm staring, confused as all heck at this desk, in the middle of a forest, when my cousin takes the radio, pulls out the cord, and plugs it into the outlet. It then lit up and started blaring static. The wire was being fed from somewhere. Now, the place where we were had no road access, no buildings for many miles, and no other people around. And yet, there was a live outlet. Super weird. No spooky jump scares or bodies. Just one lone, powered desk in the middle of the woods. I wish to God I had taken a picture of it. I'm a ranger, and I work at a pretty remote desert park. This happened before I got there, but the other rangers that I work with were there. They went to do a patrol during the summer, our off-season, at one of our seldom-used campgrounds. On a patrol, our maintenance ranger found a burnt-out car in one of the sites. The desert is a weird place, so he just calls the sheriff and waits. Sheriff arrives, and it turns out there's a body in the driver's seat with no arms and no legs, just a torso and a head, burnt. Sheriff just marked it as a self-unaliving and removed the vehicle. We're close to Mexico, and we get a lot of illegal drug traffic, so I guess they don't even bother trying to solve those. But it was super sketchy. I'm an ex-park ranger. We had a group of frat boys making way too much noise. We came by twice, and at the second stop I told them, this is your last warning. Not only is it rude for other campers to be so loud, it's exceptionally dangerous. Everyone knows that the local mountain lions are attracted to loud noises at night, and these ghost cats, as they're called, can creep right up on you without hearing or seeing them. Whatever you do, 
don't leave your tent tonight. If you hear anything, don't make a sound. We went back to the station, grabbed the lion pelt from the interp center and the night vision goggles. The head ranger had to blow what was left of the budget at the end of the previous year. Once they were all in their tents, we crept into the campsite and made fake lion tracks everywhere. We set up the lion pelt propped up over some sticks. The other ranger got out the PA and from a distance started doing fake lion calls, slowly getting closer. I pulled the jeep forward like we were arriving on scene and got out, turned on my mag light and illuminated the silhouette of the lion pelt. Because I was moving quickly, the shadow of the lion appeared to be moving. At this point, the frat boys were losing it. Jim, the other ranger, shouted, stay in your tents. Followed shortly by, she's coming around at us, and then there's another one. And finally, let's get out of here. At that point, we turned off the flashlights, grabbed the lion pelt in the darkness, and jumped in the jeep and sped off. Just after sunrise, they started peeking out of the tents. Nobody was brave enough to get out until about 8.30. When they saw all huge paw and claw prints everywhere, they really freaked out. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is your tax dollar at work. I'm not a ranger, but I lived on the outskirts of a national park in a cabin. It was a four-mile drive from the main road just to get to the property, and we had no plumbing or power. This property was right next to where the park started. To call it the middle of nowhere is an understatement. My roommate at the time was interning with the park service, but he is a city kid. Every evening at the dead of night, I had been hearing noises in the woods but I thought it was someone walking. But then, they'd just stop in particularly overgrown areas of the jungle, so your mind starts to doubt itself. Is it a pig? A cat? Is it just the wind? The cabin didn't have a locking door, and the owners didn't want me to install one, so I began sleeping in my car. Now this is a huge property, and I'd park my car over an acre away from the cabin, and where I was hearing something. I started hearing those footsteps again. I moved out. My roommate, who thought I was bonkers, stayed and still slept there without a locking door. He got robbed, not once, but twice after I moved out. So he finally put up motion-triggered cameras. There was a man with a long rifle who'd hike up the property, set up in the bushes, and watch us. I'm not a ranger, but back in 2010, I had just finished a wilderness leadership class and decided to go to Colorado to get some solo wilderness time. I found out about some hot springs near the Colorado River that were only accessible during the winter. During the summer, the snowmelt raises the water level of the river and they become submerged, and I decided to go spend a few weeks out there. It was on BLM land and I had about a four-mile hike from where I parked to where I was camping. The BLM lady who watched the land saw me when I arrived, 
and asked me to just write the date on my windshield every week to let her know that I'm still alive out there. Anyways, it was pretty pleasant out there, but every night I was terrified of the bears. They should be sleeping. But if they aren't, it means that they are super hungry and I'm for dinner. For this reason, I decided to set up camp close to a cliff. It was about 40 foot down to the river and I figured worst case scenario, I could jump and then get to the hot springs to prevent hypothermia. It's a cr- Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. Crazy plan. But once you're out there, you realize that bear spray is kind of useless inside the tent. So one early morning, I hear these loud animal noises coming from outside my tent. They're getting closer and very loud, accompanied by grunting and breathing noises. I was too scared to open my tent. I just froze, and the steps kept getting closer and closer and closer. At this point, I could hear it sniffing my tent. I don't dare move. I just lay there. It starts to move away from my tent, but it's still out there. And now, I hear more than one animal. I finally poke my head out, and it's a herd of elk. I swear, though. It was probably the most scared that I've ever been while out camping. I'm not a ranger, but I used to be in a group that's somewhat like the scouts. So we spent a lot of time in the woods and some weird stuff happened often but most of the time it was really easy to explain. One thing happened though that to this day scares the living crap out of me. I was a leader for the age group eight to 10 years old and we were out on a camping trip. It was the first year that we stayed on that terrain and it was huge. Normally we tend to explore the majority of a terrain before the kids arrive. So we are aware of any possible dangerous spots to avoid. This time it was impossible. Every camp, we have to do what we call a night game. It's usually a scary game in which the kids have to complete several tasks, while the leaders scare the ever-loving crap out of them. Obviously, we had one, too, during that camp. We masked up as monsters and hid out in the woods close to the checkpoints that they had to pass. While running in between checkpoints, I found an open stretch of forest with little to no foliage, so it was ideal for chasing after them. There was no real room to hide besides behind trees, so I couldn't use my flashlight or they'd be able to see me from miles away. It was dark, like the unsettling kind of dark that plays tricks on your eyes and you start imagining things that aren't real. During my stay there, I saw a shadow that was around my size running past me a few times. I couldn't see it very well, so I just assumed that I was imagining things because nothing was there when I turned my flashlight on. The game was nearing its end, and I saw the shadow again. This time, I could see it vaguely standing near a tree not too far away from me. 
I thought it was one of the other leaders hiding to scare kids, and I decided to go over there, as it was about time to go back. I aimed my flashlight towards the tree, and while getting closer, I noticed that there was indeed someone standing there, dressed in what looked like a torn burlap sack, and had their head covered with a few white plastic bags that looked like they were tied together. I started to feel pure dread. Something felt really off. I asked if everything was okay, but they didn't respond. The only thing I heard was this weird sound that sounded like someone knocking on wood. Nevertheless, I went a bit closer until I was about 10 meters away from this person. The knocking sound turned out to be that person smacking his head repeatedly into the tree, and I noticed that he looked like a male. He was barefoot, and his arms and legs were covered with crusted mud. His hands were in a weird cramped position. I was convinced that this was just one of the other leaders pulling a prank, so I told them to knock it off. He slowly turned his head and started walking towards me. Something inside me just told me to run. It didn't matter if it was just a stupid prank, and I ran away scared for nothing. If this wasn't a prank, it felt like I was in serious danger, so I ran as fast as I could. I heard him running after me, but I didn't want to turn around to look as I'd probably run into a tree. I arrived back at the campsite, and every single person that could be dressed like was already there. They couldn't have gotten there before me, and if they did, they sure as heck didn't have time to change into their regular clothes. Still, I told them, and they gave me a good scare with that. They just looked weird at me, thinking I was trying to scare them, and we left it at that. Next day, I wanted to go check it out. Who knows, maybe some weirdo ate the wrong mushroom and might be out there dying from hypothermia. I took someone else with me just in case and there was nothing but endless trees. We arrived at the tree where I saw the person banging his head, and there was a dead, skinned, decomposing rabbit nailed to the tree. We called the cops. They looked around quickly and brushed it off as a prank from another scouting group, or some kids from the nearby town and left it at that. I didn't notice anything weird after that, so it probably was just a dumb prank. But seriously... Some people have a messed up sense of humor. Also, I want to clarify that I'm 99% sure that it was a prank by locals. The cops reacted in a way that looked more like not this stuff again than, oh no, evil murder in the woods and we won't stop it. The cops' reaction definitely makes me think that it's happened before. I was a lone recreation ranger in a small district in southern Idaho. Nearest town from the guard station was about an hour and a half away by car. After moving into the guard station, solar power was not working, and I hadn't slept for about a month due to various factors. Bats in the cabin, something walking on the deck at night. The woods always had an eerie feeling to them, unlike the southwest Ponderosa forest that I was used to. About two months into the seasonal job, I started to hear something walking and scratching on the deck at night. 
perhaps even on the door. Now this district was known for its badgers and beavers, so I didn't think much of it. When leaving the cabin at night, I always had an eerie feeling like I was being watched. One night I was returning from my grocery run. I always went on Tuesday nights, and I had a bad feeling. At the time, I did not have my shotgun in the vehicle. After stepping out of the vehicle, I looked to the right of the cabin, about 50 feet from my front door. All I could see were two eyes about three and a half to four feet in the air. To say that I freaked out was an understatement. I started yelling, get out of here. But the eyes only crouched down an inch closer. At this point, I could tell that it was a large animal of some kind. Definitely not a coyote. I tossed a piece of firewood in the general area, and the creature leaped back a bit, but did not make a sound. I tossed four or five more pieces, and the creature still inched forward. At this point, I fumbled with the keys. Of course, the solar power was out again. I managed to get inside and grab my shotgun. Technically, you're not supposed to have guns in government housing. But who the heck lives in the Hills Have Eyes backcountry and doesn't carry? I went outside. The creature was a bit closer. Still could not get a good look with my crappy headlamp. I loaded the shotgun and continued to throw pieces of wood with one hand. Finally, the creature walked back into the brush. That night, I drank about four IPAs and slept with my shotgun. In the morning, the trail crew came up and we found mountain lion tracks all over the porch, rocking bench, and compound leading back to the creek. After that event, I always heard the rocking chair move, and someone, or something, walking on the porch, but I never found any tracks after that night. Considering that it was always muddy up there, it was weird to not find any tracks. I've been stalked by mountain lions before, and never had that eerie feeling like I did in those woods. I was in the Gila wilderness and a convoy of us campers slash fishers were making the drive on the dirt road from Mogollon to Snow Lake when we spotted a forest ranger guy pulled over looking in a ditch. Turns out, some idiot tried to make a U-turn and didn't realize the loose rocks makes it hard to stop. They went over the edge and high-centered, were miles from the nearest official campground, and it's early spring and the night time gets pretty cold. We get a jeep with a winch in position and start to pull the guy out of the ditch. Off a hill comes a white dude in a purple velvet sweatsuit. He's got a walking stick, fanny pack, and the purple velvet sweatsuit. That's it. He's a blonde dude and pretty skinny. He comes up to us and tells us that he's German and having a great time. We could not get over the purple velvet sweatsuit. It was a real pimp sweatsuit. The ranger is immediately suspicious, wants to know where he's staying and where he came from. It was around 9 in the morning, and the only way that he could have gotten where he came from was to hike for hours. The German guy was super goofy, and just points off towards the other mountain when asked where he's staying slash going. 
We all think it's funny, but also question how the guy is getting along with no water and no food. The sun is intense, above 5,000 feet, even if it's only 75 degrees. The German guy refuses water or any other help and just crosses the road and goes off into the woods. The ranger told us that he can't really keep the guy from doing that since he seemed okay. He said he'd check a few campsites in that direction later to see if he made it. We get to Snow Lake and commence drinking like fish in order to better catch fish. That evening, the ranger pops up to tell us that nobody at the other camp had seen the dude. He radioed around, and no other rangers had abandoned camps or missing campers, and they surely hadn't seen a German dude in a purple pimp sweatsuit. That ranger rolled off duty the next day, and his replacement came by to make sure that the other ranger wasn't smoking something that we gave him. We assured him that it all happened. Never heard another word about the German dude in the purple pimp sweatsuit, but it makes for a good story. Back in the early 90s, my brothers and I were staying with my cousin and her husband, who I'll call Scott, who was a DNR officer. This was opening day of bow season in northern Michigan. While I was at least a mile away from any road or trail, I stumbled across an area that looked like people had been camping recently. They'd even built this weird outdoor kitchen. Being a naive 16 to 17 year old, the kitchen confused me but I figured that they had left it because hunting season had started, so I just continued on my way. That night, I was telling everyone about it when Scott gets serious and asks me about what it looked like and where it was. After I told him, he warned me not to go back there and to be glad that no one was there. Apparently, some locals had multiple locations like that where they would cook meth, so they wouldn't blow up their houses and to make it harder to get caught. I guess Scott reported it to the cops, and they got raided a couple of days later. I must have missed it, but the guys had set up multiple trail cams, which were really expensive at the time, all around the area. Based on the pictures of them, I missed the guys by a few hours. They were heavily armed, while I only had a bow and a knife. On the surface, it seems like a well-thought-out plan for some smart people but they weren't very smart after all. Scott filled us in later on some details. Apparently, they didn't clear the images off the cameras before leaving. The images, though too low of a resolution to recognize their faces, showed them not only cooking meth, but also carrying illegal guns and riding off on customized four-wheelers known to everyone in the area. Those people ended up getting 20 years in prison. I'm not a ranger, but my uncle was. He always told me the story of when he worked in Montana. He was a solid five to 10 miles away from town, so pretty much deep into the woods. He recalled pulling his ATV on top of a semi-big hill that overlooked the valley. In between all the trees, there was this clearing that he could see through his binoculars. 
through them, he saw an older lady, 60 plushish, in black, surrounded by six to eight wolves. Now, he's a lengthy distance from this woman, but he starts yelling and honking and all that and takes off down the hill as fast as he could. But when he reached the clearing, there was no one there. No wolves. No woman. Only a silver ring with a black stone in the middle. And he still has it to this day. I've been a ranger in the United States Forest Service for almost 15 years, but this story takes place about three years after I joined. We were getting calls about a lone wolf with a collar on hanging around campsites. Weird. Since wolves aren't known to be in the area. But when you work in the field long enough, you start to realize that anything is possible. No calls had mentioned violent behavior from the animal, thank God. I departed from the station around noon to check out the places that it had been sighted. Wandered around for about three hours. No further calls during that time, until I took a break for water. I sat down, had a snack, drank some water, and was getting ready to go out again when the thing was about 20 feet out, trotting near the tree line. It seemed friendly and had the collar, so I whistled to it and it came over to me. Getting a closer look, I could see that it wasn't a wolf. It was huge, but it was dark and didn't have the right body structure, though I could see why it would be confusing from a distance. I radioed in and reported that I had the dog with me, but as soon as I'd bring it in, the dog took off. Like, he was playing to see how far he could get me to chase him. Typical dog behavior. I went after it and I swear it was a game of chase for at least five minutes as we steadily ran through the forest. Also, by the way, please don't go running through the forest unless you know the area like the back of your hand. Anyway, the dog finally slowed down near a rock bed slash creek area and started pacing around a spot. I drew closer and didn't see anything off at first. Then I noticed it. The overgrowth had almost disguised what appeared to be bones. I called it in immediately, and another team was sent over to recover the remains. When I went to retrieve the dog, he was just gone. But, honestly, it wasn't a priority at that point. He was friendly enough, and I figured we'd catch up with him later. The bones were identified as a teenage male's, died by a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. He'd been reported missing in the area long before I became a ranger, and there'd been pretty much no hope of finding him. I spoke to his mom on the phone. She called to thank me personally, and she asked how I'd found her son. I mentioned the black dog, then thought that I'd said something wrong since there was a pause on her side of the line. After I gave a couple of details about the dog, she quietly explained that her son, who struggled with making connections had sunken into a deep depression after the death of his best friend, the very dog that had led me to him. I think that I spent the rest of the day sunned. I continue to be in disbelief in a way, but I know what happened.
My dad was a ranger. He said once that he was out in the forest with one other ranger. They had to camp overnight halfway to their destination. Well, that night they heard footsteps, and a lot of them outside of their tent. Then they heard at least 20 people scream, get out. Needless to say, they got out and radioed it in. The next morning, the cop went out and searched and found four skinned animals pinned to the trees around their campsite. I have a friend who's a trail ranger, basically a ranger who can't get you in trouble. He told me about this time that he was gathering illegally placed wildlife cameras and knocking down hunting stands, feeders, and blinds with another actual ranger. The other ranger wasn't feeling well, so he said he was going to head back as it's a one-hour ATV ride. My friend finished up the last one when he heard voices. Keep in mind, he is far off the beaten path. He called out, and no one replied. As it was getting dark, he started to head back and found that his ATV wouldn't start. He then noticed that the battery wasn't connected anymore. He reconnected it and started to drive, but it wasn't going fast at all. Less than a half a mile later, the whole thing died. He radioed back basically saying, hey guys, I need someone to come pick me up. They told him they would, but it would be about an hour. He asked if the other guy got back and they said no. He settled down and started a small fire but before long he heard voices again. It's dark. He's not happy. The voices sound like an argument now. Someone was angry and yelling at someone else who sounded more scared. He called out and asked if anyone needed help. The voices didn't seem to care. He guessed that they had to be less than a thousand feet away. He radioed again, and they said they were having trouble finding what path that he might be on, and they haven't left yet. He asked them just to get the other ranger to tell them about where they are, because he left with the iPad that had the map. They said that he still isn't back. About three more minutes go by, and he hears the voices start up again. He decides to walk to them, hoping that maybe they can stop being drunk buttholes and maybe that they have a map. He walked in their direction, but the voices seemed to be getting further as he got closer. Finally, after 20 minutes, he gave up and walked back. He got a radio call, and they said the other guy was found passed out, covered in vomit, and was being taken to the hospital, but that he crossed off everywhere that they had found a stand, so they have a general idea of where he is. Then the radio died. Then the voices came back. Bored out of his mind, he decided to listen to what they were arguing about, picking up things like, well, it wasn't yours to take, I don't care, you knew better, and so on. His guess was two hunters arguing over a kill. Then he heard the one shout something ineligible. Then silence. Then, bang, a gunshot. He doused his fire and hid. After that, he heard nothing, just his breathing for the next half hour until he saw ATV lights. He told the guy picking him up everything, and they called back. They had people looking for three hours and found nothing. They came back the next day with police and dogs. 
After about an hour, a shallow grave was found, and in it was a long dead man who had clearly been shot in the face. Thing was, it was a skeleton who had been there for years. So, either the argument that he heard just ended with a bang and both parties went home last night, or he heard the murder of someone from years ago. I work at a summer camp, taking kids on canoe trips for a few days at national parks. One night after setting up a campsite and quenching the fire, I was doing the last check of the campsite. I looked at the lake and saw this lone man paddling a canoe. I thought it was pretty strange, but it's not out of the ordinary. The only weird thing being that he was alone. He waved, so being the polite Canadian that I am, I waved back. I went to bed in the staff tent, and everything was normal. I had a bit of trouble sleeping that night, so I decided to go stargazing, as that usually calms me down. I exit the tent and see this man in our campsite, looking through our tarps and bags. For what, I don't know. Maybe drugs or food, but that's not important. This stranger is by campers that I'm responsible for. We make eye contact, and this guy stands up. He's tall, and I'm quite short, so I quickly grab the first thing that I can think of, a can of bear mace. This stuff is meant to deter a charging bear, so I hold it ready to spray and tell him to get out of my campsite. He doesn't really speak, just like, oh, I, I didn't see you guys. When he's leaving, I immediately wake up the other staff, and we make sure that he leaves. We use our satellite phone to call park rangers with our position, the guy's characteristics, and tell them the story. Without a doubt, the scariest moment I had on the job. I've learned not to fear animals, as for the most part, they're predictable, dumb, and not malicious. But people, on the other hand, the scariest and most dangerous thing to encounter out in the wilderness is another person. My dad is a forestry technician, and this happened to one of his co-workers. They were up doing some sort of job in the very most northerly part of Ontario. Anyways, it was the middle of the night, and she was half asleep, and vaguely heard something outside of her tent. Then she felt something push against her tent, and the zipper was slowly opening. She opened her eyes, and saw the head of a polar bear in her tent. Polar bears are far from the cuddly toys that you see, and they're known to be super aggressive and will hunt and eat people. She laid there paralyzed with fear, thinking that it was the end, and then slowly, the bear retracted its head and left. Park Ranger here. I work at a park just outside of a metro area. 5,000 acres and a 1.5,000 acre lake. 
super busy park, but we have some areas of the off-beaten path. I've stumbled on some really creepy animal sacrifice stuff once because I happened to follow the crows. You barely have to worry about animals. It's the people that we share this world with. My brother has a winter job closing parks. He drives around in a county vehicle and makes sure that no one is in the parks before closing the gates. He does this from about 5 p.m. to 8 p.m., and it's pretty dark out. The other day, he was closing one of the parks and saw a man hopping through the woods. The man then saw him and crouched down and just watched my brother do his closing duties. My brother left and went on to another park where he found a dead coyote frozen solid, standing up as if it were alive. One winter, while patrolling trails, I came across a homeless guy who passed out, drunk in the snow. He had been there for about a week in below freezing temperatures. He was frozen solid and still had a bottle of Mad Dog 2020 in his hand. I was a ranger at Yosemite and passed every day through the gate along the Merced River. One day there was a commotion which caused a slowdown, but didn't involve us so we crept by, just slow enough to hear a man in anguish trying loudly to explain something. It was early summer, but the river was still raging from a solid snowpack that year, and we found out later that the guy was just trying to take a picture of his wife with the torrent as a backdrop. Apparently, he'd kept telling her to back up just a bit further, when she disappeared. Us and the firefighting guys were tasked with finding her body. Nobody made much of a pretense that she might have survived. She turned up two months later, after the river had settled enough that we'd started swimming in it, just upstream from our swimming hole. There's this old lighthouse at the park that I work at. People from northern Jersey might be familiar with it. Next to it sits our visitor's center, formerly the lighthouse keeper's quarters. Last summer, I got put on the graveyard shift for a pay period. While out tooling around the fort, the park is an old army base, around 2 a.m., changing all the Pokemon gems to Team Mystic, I noticed that there was a light on in the second floor of the quarters. One of the interp rangers must have forgotten to turn it off, I said to myself. So I head in, do a quick sweep of the building and turn it off. I go back outside, get in my car, and I'm about to drive away. When I look back up to the second floor, the light is back on, 
and something just moved across the window. My mind's eye saw a human figure, but I honestly just noped out of there so fast that it could have just been a bat or something like that. I'm not a park ranger, but my friend was, and the worst thing that he found was a dead body of a runner that had collapsed near a trail. It was an older guy that must have had a heart attack and had fallen to the side of the trail so people hadn't seen him. The worst part was that when he called 911, they demanded that he try to do CPR while he tried to explain that the dude's eyes were open and covered in flies, and his body was stone cold, so no. He was not going to do that. This is my dad's friend's story, not mine. It was around 10 p.m. and my dad's friend was driving around locking all the gates so that people can't drive on certain roads. And he's on a gravel road. All of a sudden, he sees a cloud of dust as if someone just drove past him, but it came from the direction that he just locked the gate in, so nobody should have been able to get in. He got out of his car and started walking down the road to see if he saw any tracks. He didn't, but he saw this old truck that looked like it was just sitting there for years. Keep in mind, this is the direction that he just came from. He's starting to get sketched out. So he turns around to head back to his car, and when he does, he sees a body hanging. No joke. Someone hung themselves in the park. He called the police and the guy had no family. My dad claims that he actually saw the body. Apparently it was all skinny and blue, and stunk as if it had been hanging for a couple of days. Some people say that they see the guy walking around. But yeah, pretty much... The road is haunted now. I wasn't a park or forest ranger, but I was a historical docent, basically a historical tour guide, and this happened when I was about 15. First, a little bit of background. I worked at a place called Blennerhassett Island in Parkers, West Virginia. Blennerhassett Island is infamous because of Aaron Burr went there with a whole plot to take over the U.S. after he killed Alexander Hamilton. And it's actually a very interesting story, but it's not relevant to this one. The island is said to have been haunted by various people slash entities because many people died there including members of the Blennerhassett family, and sailors would bury bodies on the island if someone died in their ship. Some of the most commonly seen ghosts are the ghosts of Margaret, Harmon, and their daughter, nicknamed Baby Margaret Blennerhassett, an Indian and a groundkeeper. The Blennerhassetts are often seen in their home on the island or walking around. The Indian is seen on the south tip of the island, and the groundkeeper is seen in the Putnam Houser house. Margaret is seen most often 
and is seen in a white flowing gown, and people say they smell lilac before they see her. On to my story. One day, I was walking towards a clump of trees with a bench so I could eat for my lunch break when I saw something white out of the corner of my eye. I thought it was just one of the other docents because some people had on aprons. But when I turned and looked, it was a woman in a white gown. I knew that people had seen Margaret, but usually they saw her near dusk and this was in the middle of the day. I stopped walking and just looked at her. I started to say something to her, but when I blinked, she vanished. I immediately went back to where the others were and told them what I saw, but they didn't believe me. To this day, I'm convinced that I saw her ghost, and it was really terrifying. Thank you so much for listening to all of the stories in this video. I hope you enjoyed them. I also hope that you enjoy the extra rain at the end. Have a good night, everyone, and I'll read to you in the next video. Bye-bye now.